On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap Vanderbilt's last two SEC basketball losses. First on Saturday at home to South Carolina, 72-70, to and then Tuesday night at home against Kentucky, 78-66. Kentucky just flat-out dominated Vanderbilt. Oscar Shibway dropped 30 points and 13 rebounds, even though Scottie Pippen had 32 points. Vanderbilt couldn't do anything else around him. So Vanderbilt falls to 1-2 and two in the SEC, 9-6 and six overall. Up next for the Commodores, Saturday night in Athens against Georgia. Coming right up, we've got another Door Report episode discussing the state of Vanderbilt basketball. Stay tuned. We've got all that coming up next here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening. To the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 136. It is January 11th, 2022 here on a Tuesday night. And, Will, this is going to be a tough one. Not a ton of positives to get to in this one. We are, as always, powered by Laco Finewood Floors. We'll have one positive with Daniel Martin committing, of course, at the uh, U.S. Army All-American Bowl. But Vanderbilt, uh, these last couple losses have kind of turned the tide a little bit. We thought they had some momentum. But now they lose two straight SEC games at home. And this one tonight, uh, it felt a lot different than the South Carolina game. That, that, that's for sure. And, and uh, well, it's almost like this, this team wasn't playing in front of students. Uh, I, I, think that's, I think that's right. And looked a little flat. So uh, I, thought, I thought you had a nice tweet tonight. But, Will, it, they just looked flat. I mean, that's, that's one of my main things tonight and inconsistent, of course, too. We'll get to all of that, but, uh, but wow, not, not, uh, not, not the way you want to go out against Kentucky at home. Yeah, Billy, you stole my, stole my tweet right there in the <laughs> intro. I said that this team uh, looks pretty flat out there tonight. It's almost as if they're playing in front of a sea of opposing fans in their home court and students are not even allowed to be there to watch them play in the game. Funny it's how just, that it, That's not why they lost. No. That's not why any of this happened. Where you felt it was when you felt the momentum shift to Kentucky in Memorial Gym, mm-hmm. and you it felt like a home game for Kentucky yeah. as opposed to in the past. There's always a lot of blue. Mm-hmm. And even in years in Vanderbilt's really good, there's always a lot of blue. Yeah. And that's always the case at every stadium and every arena that Kentucky visits. Mm-hmm. But usually always that student section is full of black and gold 
And that is what you didn't have, right where that camera is, right next to the court, right where the players can see, right where ESPN gets that audio and it echoes off the walls of Memorial Gym. You didn't have that. And in an environment in a game when Vanderbilt's clearly outmatched player for player, talent for talent, you need a little bit of that Memorial magic, a little bit of that energy. And when that lead expanded out to double digits in the second half, it was game over because it was a home game for Kentucky. So thank you, uh, Candace Story Lee, Daniel Deermeyer, all the Vanderbilt Athletic Administration, all of the Vanderbilt University Administration for one of the dumbest and most boneheaded and illogical and non-science-based decisions that I've ever seen in my entire life. Bar none, you've become a national clown show story. So congratulations. How's that for an intro, Billy? <laughs> what an intro. What, what an intro. Fans are in, in, in for a treat for this one. But, Will, I'm, I'm totally with you. We're going to get to all of it. Um, but I think the funny part about this is, Will, I think a lot of Vandy fans are happy about this because of the decision. It's, it's, it's crazy to say that, but I think there are some Vandy fans like weirdly happy that, Hey, you guys deserve this. You guys did this. Now, obviously we're not blaming the loss on this, but this is kind of the compounding issue of no students there. Uh, but you also get bludgeoned by Kentucky at home. And that kind of just com- continued to snowball and we'll get into all of it. We'll, uh, we'll touch a little bit on the South Carolina Carolina uh, loss there, two points at home. And then of course, Daniel weren't committing, but before we get to all that, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door.report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google Podcasts. and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and a review on itunes all right well let's get to the breaking news no matter what style you're going for you can trust your flooring job to a Laco fine wood floors take a walk through the woods in your home every day get your flooring job started today by calling 615 615- Three five six zero three zero three, Alaco Fine Wood Floors, craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well let's uh, let's start with some positives. Well, one positive <laughs> again. Not this is this not not a positive podcast, but Daniel Martin has committed to Vanderbilt, and this was last. We don't Saturday. need to shrug it off before we get into it. We're not shrugging this off. If this was not sandwiched and a whole lot of other negativity, you could have a whole podcast yes. about this yes. commitment and what it means for yeah. Clark Lee and the building block. So before you get into yours, I just want to put that out there. Yeah, we're not downplaying this we're not, at all. This yeah, is- at all. There's just more pressing things to get to. Plenty of offseason to talk about Talk about how good, great of a commitment this was. Yeah, if we have more losses, though, it might be a lot of football offseason discussion. But, <laughs> well, true. Daniel Martin, six foot two, one. 195 pounder uh, he's listed as a linebacker but will he he may he might be playing I'm not going to say he's going to play safety but he does seem like that that versatile mold of guy that could play safety if they have to but also that anchor position like Clark Lee uh, of course likes to play uh, national television of course chose uh, chose Vanderbilt over the the two FSU and Oregon hats which will we talk about optics all the time that's not bad for optics. Uh, you know, you get you get all the eyes, and a lot of people are watching that. Will that's NBC now, high school recruiting gurus are watching that. I think Barton Simmons got a shout out. Uh, Dansby Swanson was in his recruiting video. This was this was the icing on the cake. This is what we talked about. Will Daniel Martin, the potential of this commitment, and kind of the waves that now will. These are not waves crashing into the coast, but these are these are more kind of ripples in, in this recruiting class. And now you look all of a sudden, Will, this is a 
this is nearly a top 30 recruiting class. I mean, this is the 32nd ranked recruiting class in the country, according to 24-7 sports. Still, which is crazy to think about to me, 13th in the SEC. But 32nd in the nation, I think, is, is more important to look at. And, and you're making those jumps over teams like Baylor and, and some legit names that Vanderbilt is in front of. So, Will, when you look at this guy, I think of that anchor position. And I think of two, three years down the road. I mean, hell, he's going to play next year. But two, three years down the road, I think this kid can be a stud. This is the Darius Garland of Clark Lee's tenure. This is who he is anchoring his success in the future on. Bryce Drew did that with Darius Garland, and it blew up in his face, and that was because of injury. Basketball is obviously a little different, but I think we can all agree that if Darius Garland does not get hurt, I really doubt Bryce Drew has shown the door as quickly as he yeah. was. He tied himself so directly to that, it blew up, and then recruiting fell off, and that is what happens when you tie yourself to one recruit, specifically within a class. Vanderbilt has done that. It doesn't happen as much to an extent in football, but they've done that with Daniel Martin. Mm -hmm. The journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, I think, is the thing that's overused instead of a billion times. But you don't jump from being where Vanderbilt is, 2-10, 0-9, recruiting classes in the upper 40s, 50s, going in, obviously, 14th in the SEC. You don't go from that to then recruiting consistently in the top 25. Daniel Martin legitimized this class from what was – a number 38-ish recruiting class, but only up there because of the number of three stars that they signed, and they had so many available scholarships. Daniel Martin bumped them up where they are sandwiched between Virginia Tech and West Virginia, and right below West Virginia there at 34th is Baylor, and above Virginia Tech, who's right above Vanderbilt, is Iowa State. Those are good programs. Now, Vanderbilt's average recruit, which, like we always say, is really actually they do not have the 32nd ranked recruiting class. This is what I keep keep saying right. is this is a good class that's going to build in the future, but this is really not a massive improvement from what Derek Mason was doing. It's a notch above. It's the start of a tidal wave, Billy. Like you said, I like what you said. Yep. If Daniel Martin comes in and starts tearing it up, you better believe that there are going to be other eyes on uh, this Vanderbilt program mm-hmm. and the performance that he has. And I think we tweeted it out. It was from his highlight video once he committed. Uh, the quote was, he's Mr. Everything. So yep. he said he's versatile. He can do anything, can do everything. A lot of his highlight tape is actually on the offensive side of the ball, <laughs> yeah. uh, showing off that speed. And that's something pretty impressive from a uh, four-star linebacker yeah. prospect. Well, I know we don't like the brick-by-brick brick reference uh, from, from Bush <laughs> Jones, but I, I look at this commit as you're building a house. You got all these bricks. You're getting to the top. You got to put the roof on. I think Daniel Martin is that roof on top of this class. And, and you know, there could be other guys that. that I thought you were going up. a completely different direction with that <laughs> metaphor, Billy. You had a much more short-term house building. So I liked that. But or, also I was going to say Daniel Martin, you're putting in the foundation. And that is the final, the final cement being poured into that yeah, foundation. Yeah. The rest digging it out, straightening the ground, getting all it. That was everyone else. That was the quarterbacks, receivers, corners. Daniel Martin is the cement. Oh, you yeah, have like the that. foundation. This is a foundational class. It's not going to be that in two years, Vanderbilt's going to be like eight and four, seven and five. And you're, it's, it's not going to happen like that here. It's no. not going to happen like that with Clark Lee as head coach. He's not Josh Heupel. You're not going to have that flash offense. Mm-hmm. And Vanderbilt's probably not going to be able to recruit the guys to make that happen, in all honesty, of a flash. Mm-hmm. But this is a step forward. And yeah. you're going from 0 and 9, 2 and 10. A step forward is way better than another step backwards. So that's where I am with it. <laughs> Bottom line, it's a foundation piece. And, and this is kind of that, you know, get Garland type of get where if he pans out, 
really good for it's really good news for the head coach. Now, you know, this who knows? A lot of these guys may not, but the good thing is, Will, the their their ratings are there and their film is there. And they're they're gonna come in next year, two years, three years down the road, and they're gonna come ready to play. So Daniel Martin again is a Vanderbilt Commodore. He committed on Saturday. He's a top 30 linebacker in the country, Will, top 20 in Georgia. And grabbing a guy out of Georgia right before Georgia. Uh, wins the national title. I think that's saying a lot too. You got other guys from Georgia and from that that five mile radius. I think Clark, Coach Lee talks about, and that's where they're attacking. So, and and you know, it's been easy to get those guys on campus. And so. I think we tweeted out something, Billy, before we move on to basketball. That was a little bit a little bit silly. I think you may have tweeted it out, but saying, "Could you imagine Vanderbilt playing in a national championship?" <laughs> that was me. That was me. So I just want to add a little bit of like my initial response is I almost quoted it with like an eye rolling gif or something, but I didn't, so it was nice. But just to say it, this upcoming recruiting class, you know, who was playing for a national championship is a team named Cincinnati. And yes. you know where they're ranked in this year's recruiting rankings is 38th below Vanderbilt. Wow. So they're actually wow. actually six spots below Vanderbilt. So I'm not I'm not saying hey, no. maybe, maybe I'm not I'm not being serious, <laughs> but at, at all. So nobody take that out of context. But you know, you're recruiting up there with teams that are good teams. You're not dropped down there with the cellar dwellers of the other power fives. You're right. not around all the Kansases. Yeah. So that's that's where they're sitting. Yeah. And Will, you've seen examples of of program building uh, coaches with, uh, I think you look at Wake Forest, what Dave Clawson has done there, and even Dave Aranda with private institutions that are having success in football and they're recruiting well. They're playing, uh, you know, with those recruits, they're playing well. So I think you can, if you're Clark Lee, you can look at those type of long-term building projects and say, hey, we can get this done. Uh, but Will, again, I think we talk about this for a while and, and I do want to do kind of a big recap of this this whole class. I think we we did that on early signing day. I would love to do a late uh, the actual signing uh, period, uh, uh, kind of a recap pod. So we may do that. But well, let's get to some basketball. And the last couple losses uh, for Vanderbilt, of course, they've been a little bit different. Vanderbilt lost a close one at home to South Carolina, seventy-two to seventy, back on Saturday, and then tonight, quick turnaround at home uh, against Kentucky on the road. Not, I'm kidding. At home. Um, it, it definitely sounded like it was on the road, though, with a lot of uh, Big Blue Nation chants in there, a lot of go Big Blue. And, well, I'll say this before we dive into any of the, the knitting, nitty and gritty of this game. The sad part about this result, Will, is how few people within the school's administration, not the athletic department, but within the Vanderbilt University and the administration, the higher ups there. I mean, what percentage of them actually watch this game? What percentage of them actually care about this result rather than, you know, filling up their pockets with money? And I think that's where this stems. And we've talked about this a lot, Will. We have. I feel like we bring up a little bit of this argument in every episode, but that's kind of where it's going. Yeah, I feel. And, and, you know, we talk about this this uh, perception changing of Vanderbilt and the university changing, but. Right now, Will, it, it nothing has changed. And ever since Daniel Dimrod got here, we can we can act like, you know, the perceptions changed a little bit, but. No, the, nothing has changed. You could argue it's gotten worse. And I, I put more of this, again, people are talking about on Twitter, don't blame Candace Lee. She's hamstrung. But, I mean, come on. She's the athletic director of Vanderbilt. She deserves to uh, to take blame for this. So does Daniel Deermeyer. So does everyone. I mean, this is the – the, the the fact that 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 Vanderbilt is you know you can't blame Candace Lee that I, I that that's hard to believe you know in, in that but will I, I think I look at this and I think about what are the Vanderbilt University administrators thinking about this and they're probably not thinking anything about it they're probably not even thinking about it at all so that's the sad part of this and we'll get to some of the stats here but will I just want to kind of open with that and kind of say look at the the state of this program and where they're at in 
the fact that, yeah, that we've talked about some improvements with what Candace Lee has done, but at the same time, these haven't been monster steps and you could argue there haven't been any, any even meet average steps taken. So it's, it's, it's been, it's just hasn't gotten much better. I think that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we've had a locker room redo. Great job. Yep, there you go. And we've had a lot of talk and that is been the entire administration right now. And other than that, I don't, I don't know what you can point to. We've been pretty positive when it's come to her and what she's done, raising $300 million um, to get the V United campaign or V Bandy United campaign Bandy. off the ground. Yeah. And get the stadium rebuild, the new basketball facilities. That's, that's been her main focus. So I do want to keep that over there and not just lambast Candace Story Lee here right. because she's doing well with that. That doesn't happen overnight and she is fighting an uphill battle. And I think the Vanderbilt AD job to just start off with this is the toughest AD job yeah. in the country, bar none not even close mm -hmm. so start with that on the other side of that what was the issue that we always talked about with david williams is he was just going to toe the line he was the yes man that, that that's how he stayed tenured so long he wasn't going to push back against the university and part of me thought because of the steps that had been taken as far as vandy united goes and actually getting money put into these athletic programs so they're not just the waste bin of the sec hopefully in the future and she actually had taken concrete steps in that direction. I was hoping she would not be a toe the line and mm -hmm. do this. Because if that was the case, there would be more of a statement made by Vanderbilt Athletics. You would hear more murmurings coming out of there. All that was put out was, a, was some memo, some little two-sentence memo, and that's all that we've seen about it. It's never had a statement. Everything else has just been they've acted like nothing has happened. And I know their mentions are full mm -hmm. of, a lot of, of a lot of people reaching out to them as far as this with some things a little constructive criticism and some things a little less constructive, um, I think uh, would be a fair <laughs> way to say that. But... It's just, I don't know what their thought process is here. I don't know what the administration's is besides money. And Candace Story Lee, I mean, at this point, it's such an embarrassment. You have to stand up and just be like, I will not be a part of something that is clearly not in the best interest of students. If you want to make the argument that it is in the best interest of the student athletes and the students on that campus, that, and you want to take that stance that COVID is deadly to them, which is not science-based, but that's not what we're getting into. If you want to take that stance, I'm talking about cognitive dissonance here, things that just don't add up. You are putting student athletes on that court to generate your university millions of dollars that you can then funnel into things besides athletics that do not benefit those student athletes. The students on your campus are not allowed to attend those games in order to watch their classmates play basketball on ESPN against their big rival. But you know what you didn't do? You didn't ban all attendance. You didn't say no one can come. You didn't refund mm -hmm. everyone's money. You didn't do that because that then affects your pocketbook. And that actually affects the bottom line. And instead of sitting there up on your high horse and saying, look how much we care, we're Commodore cares. Instead of doing that, you actually have to pay the price for your moral high ground stance. And Vanderbilt has never been willing to do that. And that is the problem with they are not supporting students. They're not supporting student athletes. They're supporting the optics of the university being the most liberal progressive elite university in the country and that does not benefit anybody but the people that are professors tenured at that university do research at that university and that is it other than that students don't benefit student athletes don't benefit people in nashville don't benefit fans don't benefit and their outlook is so narrow-minded thinking that sports are not a reflection of the university they've allowed this the athletic 
facilities, the perception to just become decrepit at Vanderbilt. And that is the most public advertisement you have to the average person is your athletic teams and how they perform out there just to average people. And Vanderbilt has the great image of elite academic institution, whatever may have you, and that's fine. But the average person doesn't like Vanderbilt University. They look at them with a side eye in Nashville like that's that's over in West End, that's Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And they have mm-hmm. never made an effort to come in and actually become a part of Nashville while Nashville has grown. And that's why they've been left in the dust. So for a university that is so concerned about optics, they sure have a really shitty time figuring out when they've really messed up and these optics are horrible and they haven't even doubled down. That's the problem. I would almost respect it more if you doubled down on your horrific, illogical decision. But you didn't double down. You just said nothing and ignored it like you never did anything. And you just, you just, students can't come, but everybody else can come. And these people that otherwise would never be around these basketball players that are out on this court in, in an enclosed space, which I heard was where COVID spread, apparently, who would, according to the science, and you're putting students and student athletes out there in this contained area with people that otherwise would not even be on that campus. But the people that are already on that campus and students can't walk on their own campus to the game that is being played on their campus. So I hope that we're made get, a little sense, Billy, because hey. my... God, you got me going there. Hey, I got you going. I got you going. And Will, I think a lot of people agree with you, and Riley Lachance agrees with you too. He tweeted out, he'd, and alums are starting to take notice now. Matthew Fisher Davis has been tweeting out. Riley had a tweet. He said, biggest game the program has had in years, and students can't even go. The staff and players have clearly worked tirelessly to try to bring Memorial Magic back. They deserve better, and we're just going to let Kentucky fans buy all those what- tickets. Make it make sense. Make it that's make that's sense. Billy. I'm not trying to interrupt you. And this is one sentence is <laughs> I don't want this podcast to be I don't want it to be taken out on the guys on the court and stack that no, had nothing no. to do with this decision. Maybe stack could have pushed back, but especially the players yeah. had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So I don't want our criticism to be more than it otherwise would be when the players are also being put in an awful spot. Yeah, no, these yeah, these players are the players are in the awful spot, too. So is Coach Stackhouse. He knows he's hamstrung. I doubt Coach Stack can. I mean, he probably could have pushed back, but I doubt he could have done anything about that. Um, but Matthew Fisher Davis also tweeted, college basketball environments are mostly predicated on the students. What happened tonight and moving forward is an absolute shame. So, Will, I think it means more when you start to have an alums, like younger alums start to tweet about what's going on. And, you know, I mean, right, Lachance played – he was on that team the last time they beat Kentucky, I think, in 2016. And Matthew Fisher Davis was on teams that beat Kentucky. And, and they don't – they won't stand for this. there's fans that won't stand for this and the fans right now at this point they're not going to the games they're not even going and that's 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 where we're at will this was this was my favorite tweet from matthew fisher davis he's been very active and i loved it he was rolling i've loved it he's been dead on with almost everything he said (laughs) but my favorite tweet from him said i swear with the perception that he had when he left this is a great tweet of how players and this coach was very tough on matthew fisher davis he said this is the tweet from matthew fisher davis I swear Vandy Athletics been bugging since they got rid of Stallings. <laughs> you wouldn't go for none of this. And I think that is true. That's, that's I, from, very I really do think that based on Kevin Stallings' personality, I really doubt that this would have flown. I, I, think, I think he would I, there would have been a public tirade and statement by him. And that's what I mean when toe the line. 
because you can push back without pushing back to the point of getting fired. And that's where David Williams didn't do it. That's where Candace Story Lee hasn't done it. And that's where Stack's not I, doing it. And, yeah. and Clark Lee hasn't done it for the, at all. Yeah, no. And I think it also connects to James Franklin. Look at some of the former coaches Vanderbilt has had. Coach Franklin, he was going to push <sighs> the needle. Personal. He was going to push the needle as much as he could. Kevin Stallings would push the needle as much as he could. Tim Corbin always does, but he doesn't have to. I mean, he's, he's Tim Corbin. So, Will, that, that's, I'm looking at the coaches and saying, okay, are they going to push the needle? Right now, they're not. You know, I mean, first off, they're not winning, so that, that makes it really hard to push any kind of needles. But the, the fact of the matter is that the, the athletic department is not doing anything. To, I, I mean, now they could, they could, Candace Lee could have tried to combat this mandate, but I, I don't know. You know, who knows what's going on within closed doors. But, well, there is a game to talk about. We, have, we haven't gotten to the game at all. Um, but, and this is mostly Kentucky. We just watched the, the, the problem game. is, but I, I want to get to the game bad. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but like, this is the big, this is yeah, the big story. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. So it I, is. I do want to. It's the bigger issue here. The problem with Vandy is they, Vanderbilt, is they don't have anyone with normal person thought process, even in the room, able to speak when they make decisions. And that's, it's, it's a, Thought Boom. it's just a what what is the word? That's the, maybe um, the most true statement I've chamber, ever heard. An echo yeah. chamber. There's no there, there echo th- chamber. There is it is an echo chamber. Well, it's just people but, saying the same same ideas back and forth, agreeing with each other. Yeah. If you had a, a thought that maybe was out of the blue or maybe a different line of thinking, that would be unacceptable to even say. Mm-hmm. They don't have any diversity of thought yeah, inside that, that's of that decision making board. Yeah. There there's nobody there that represents the eighty percent. They have the 20% that, that feels this way, and there's no 80% representation. Mm-hmm. So that's why they feel so out of touch. Yeah. And for the most part, their coaches right now kind of feel more on that side. And they're mm-hmm. not. And that's what we thought we were getting a little bit more with Clark Lee and the staff mm-hmm. of Barton Simmons is a little bit more relatability. Thought yeah. processes like normal human beings have. And right now, I just don't see that in this athletic administration, as long as they are this enemy that is battling against the fans. This higher that is order. Such a, that is such a unique, weird thing that we have in this, it, like that we in feel like we are constantly. In this beautiful city of Nashville. It is, it is the athletic programs and the fan base battling against its own athletic department and university, and they are doing everything they can to stand in their way mm-hmm. of success. Yeah, and I'm, so that's well, why, I'm, and you're competing in the SEC where every other yeah. school is like, the opposite that the school is like, will you guys please like chill out a little bit? And they're yeah. like, no, we're not. We're just yeah. going to run rampant. No. And they're like, okay, do whatever you want. Yeah. And I'm honestly surprised how long some Vandy fans have held on. And again, I don't want to get too super down in the dumps, but that's where we're at. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. I'm surprised there are as many Vandy fans as there were tonight. They're probably 80% Kentucky, but I mean, there's still, it's not like there were no Vandy fans there. So that's, that's what I was kind of surprised about, but well, I'm, I'm completely with you there. And again, I think we could talk about this for three hours. Um, but again, I do think we need to get to a little bit of the game. Um, I want to start with, you know, a broad, a broad topic and that's consistency. There, it's, it's hard to see any consistency with Coach Stack and what he wants to do, but there's also, it's also hard to find any consistency with the way these players are playing, other than Scottie Pippen Jr. I mean, the, he's averaging over 20 points a game. I think he still is. Uh, he had 32 of the 66 points tonight. I mean, that's nearly 50% of Vanderbilt's scoring output. And Coach Bargatze told us the same exact thing, Will. The guy doesn't have any help. There, there's nobody around him that you can look at and say, hey, go get a bucket. We thought that might be Jordan Wright coming into the season. He has not turned into that. And other than Pippen and Jordan Wright, but right now, other than Pippen, there's nobody else. And we've talked about that all season long. 
But, Will, the consistency is what I look at. You never know what you're going to get with this team. I mean, you, they. I think they could have, on a really good night, I think they could have upset this Kentucky team. I really do. But they fell. it fell on a really bad night and a tough shooting night, tough defensive night. They played a really good Kentucky team that was hot, and Vanderbilt was coming off a loss. And two days later, you got to play Kentucky at home. Now, I, I, I think Vandy can beat this team, but I also think at the same time, Vanderbilt's got they, – they've got some soul-searching to do. And I think we both know that. I think fans know that. I, can, I think Coach Stack knows that. I mean, I would like to believe he knows that. Um, he's not – he doesn't seem to be that type of stubborn coach where he's not going to admit that his team has things to go back and look at in the drawing board. Uh, you know, they've got some soul searching to do. And there's certain guys that do, of course, not having Ronnie Chapman hurt tonight. I'm not saying they would have won the game. I think it would have been a little closer, but he, he was not going to make that much of an impact. But, Will, behind Scottie Pippen, the bottom line is they got to find another score. You just – you have to. And Jordan Wright, I, I hate to pinpoint one player, but Jordan Wright has not held up his own end of the bargain. He really hasn't. And I love the guy. I love his I love his game. I love his physicality. I love how much he's grown. But he had a role to play this season. And I, I hate saying it, but he hasn't held up he hasn't held up his end of the bargain. He hasn't played up to that role. And again, I'm not putting this loss on him. I'm not putting any of the losses on him. But I'm saying a lot of these issues could be solved if guys play up to their potential and they simply didn't tonight. I'm not saying they can't against Georgia on Saturday or against Tennessee at home again uh, next Tuesday, but will when this team it, in their next leading score is Trey Thomas with 14 behind a 30 piece from Pippen. You're not going to win many games at all. You're just not. And you, they probably, I think they might've lost to VCU tonight again. It, it was just that kind of game. And it felt like the snowball started. Um, I think the snowball started at the end of the first half, to be honest. Uh, they were down, I think, 12 at the half, if I'm not mistaken, and and everything just sort of snowballed. It's almost like, uh-oh, if we get the go go big blue chance going, it's going to go downhill. So that's what I felt in this game. Well, there was a certain point where they tied it up at 22, kind of midway through that first half. I said, uh-oh, something might be happening. And then, bam, Kentucky comes out of the timeout, and everything snowballs, and I think it carried over into the second half. So those are kind of my overall thoughts, Will. Again, a lot of this is broad because we're talking about the same things kind of starting to get into football territory hopefully not but again I think from a broad perspective you cannot there's there's nothing reliable about this team other than Scotty Pippen Jr. not not saying anything we don't already know but that's kind of what I'm getting at yeah there's no bold realization that we're going to yeah. come on here and say but there are some interesting stats and there are that I love stats and I oh, love when they tell guy. the story I love when they tell the story of what you're seeing and that's this basketball team is the perfect example of why you can't just look at the overall season statistics. You have to go game by game and look at that box score. Because if you look at the scoring, you'd say Pippen's averaging 18.3 points per game, leading score, obviously, yeah. SEC preseason player of the year. Jordan Wright expected to be the secondary guy, is averaging 12.7, a little less than you'd want. But And then you've got Studi averaging 8.6, a third guy putting in consistent buckets. And then you've got, you know, four guys averaging over five points. You'd be like, okay. There you go. I mean, that's not, not great, not ideal, but it looks about average what you expect to mm -hmm. see. But when you go box score by box score, you hit you, you said it perfectly, consistency. Mm -hmm. yeah. You look at the guys that contribute. It's not that they are scoring 10 points a game. It's that they're having one game with 19 and one game with one. And yeah. that's not a recipe for success. Yeah. And it's different guys outside of Scottie Pippen every night. The only guy, you said you didn't want to call it individual guys. And you can't do that because it's not on anyone. The only individual guy you can say this loss is not on is Scottie Pippen. He yeah. has turnover issues, but that is not necessarily because 
he's just playing awful. He's just trying to do so much. He's getting put in so many spots that if you had guys around him that could drive to the basket and make plays, you wouldn't have happened. So into the box scores, you have Scotty. This is we're going to start with the game against Arkansas here. Here we go. So actually the win that they had. Okay. So of course, Scotty Pippen Jr. leading scorer, 22 points. The two second or three leading secondary scores. You had Trey Thomas put in 15 points, five of seven from three. Mm-hmm. If he's doing that, he needs to be on the court no matter yeah. the other parts of his game. You've got Jordan Wright at 12, not great, but three for 11, mm-hmm. but he put up 12. Rodney Chapman, efficient game, scored 11. Mm-hmm. So right there, that's that's why you won. You had three guys exactly. that scored in double digits outside of Scottie Pippen. So then you go to the South Carolina game that they lost. Uh, you have Miles Studi actually put up a great game with 19 points. I mean, I mm-hmm. think he was he was the reason they were in that game. Yeah. Scottie Pippen, the second leading scorer, did not have his best night, 0 for 3 from 3, scored 17. Jordan Wright, 15. Okay. So you have some points from Jordan Wright, but now it's Miles Studi that's putting in buckets. And mm-hmm. the guy's last game that performed well, Trey Thomas, he had zero. And also Rodney Chapman, who performed well, he had one. So those two guys that were your second and third leading scorers last game now had zero. And basically on the on the game, yeah. they had yeah. one combined point. That's not a recipe for success. Lose that game. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the Kentucky game. Scottie Pippen Jr., 32 points. There we go. Your guy that just scored zero points, Trey Thomas, is now your second leading scorer with 14. No one else in double digits. Miles Duty, six after having 19 in the game against South Carolina, after having how many points? After having eight points against Arkansas. It's just waves. And you never know where the offense is going to come from. And from a coaching perspective, it's hard to really design an (laughs) offensive game plan when you say, we have one guy, I know what I'm going to get. And everyone else on this team, we just kind of have to shoot until we figure out who's actually going to be able to perform on the offensive side of the ball. And it's just going to be a random pick out Mm -hmm. of, pick a name out of a hat of these six guys. Who's it going to be? And Chapman, this is the first game, I don't want to say Chapman, this is the first game that Vanderbilt, we felt they missed Robbins. Because mm-hmm. I think the whole game plays Sheep a lot differently. Dominated. If you have, yep, yeah, and and especially when QMB was out of the game. QMB was getting dominated as well, but he was able to hold his own a little bit just because he's big enough. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Mann plays so damn hard. He rebounds so hard, but against Kentucky, he's just not big enough to be playing mm-hmm. down low. He's six foot six. He was just getting manhandled down there. If you could have Liam Robbins playing 25, 30 minutes, and then you bring in QMB, who's also 6'10, big body. This whole game looks different because Kentucky's not able to just effortlessly feed the ball inside. I just will never know this team with Scottie Pippen Jr. and Liam Robbins. I think that could have been a pretty dynamic combo. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, Will, this team is streaky. They're streaky in good ways where they can hit a few threes and they can get up on you. They'll they'll, they'll put a 12-2 run on you. But then on the other end of the floor, on the other end of the floor, they're also a streaky defensive team where if, if you're turning the ball over offensively, Trey Thomas in particular, who seems to have at least three or four turnovers a game in bad spots, Vanderbilt's turnovers have created teams, other points and opportunities on the other end and uh, momentum. I mean, momentum is such a big thing in every sport, but basketball, it seems so much more prevalent because, oh, you get a turnover, then there's another bucket. Big three from Kentucky, five-point lead. There it is. Another turnover, another bucket. It turns quickly, seemingly, I think, than any other sport. You could argue football, I think, is up there too. But with this team, Will, and the way they (laughs) – The way that – this team and the way they play – they're just so streaky and, and, you know, it can be a good thing. You can be a really good streaky team, but, but this team is, they're, they're, they're a bad streaky team that they're bad in the way of one guy turns the ball over. Then where's the offense come, especially if Pippen's out of the floor, 
nobody knows. And the stagnation continued today again. So, well, I think I look at this team and I say, okay, the last time they beat Kentucky was 2016. And I guarantee you they shot, they, they shot a lot of threes. And I, I, I guarantee you they hit at anywhere from 12 to 15 of them. Uh, and they were hot. Now, if you're not hot against Kentucky, you've got to be somehow scoring inside, maybe creating turnovers. They didn't necessarily do that. Um, I, I do think when this team is creating havoc, and they can create havoc, this, this is, a, I think, a, a somewhat dangerous defensive team where if they get going and they create some turnovers, they can win games. But at the same time, Will, if they're not making threes, where do you go? I mean, that's, I feel like that's where this team is at. They rely so heavily on that three-point shot and if Scottie Pippen isn't making his shots down low or even getting those opportunities down low, where do they go? You know, and I think in the in years past, you said, oh, we've got multiple guys that can hit shots, but we've also got Damian Jones down there. We've also got Luke Cornett down there. So I think Liam Robbins has been sorely missed. And each SEC game we see, Will, I think we're going to begin to see and realize how big of, of, a, of, of a miss he is right now. Um, and who knows if he comes back uh, for – for his safety and his health. And I think in who knows if he has NBA potential, but for his future, uh, who knows if he'll be coming back, but well, I, I think Liam Robbins would, would he would have definitely made an impact tonight. And again, down low presence. Again, you can kind of survive a little bit down there with QMB, but once it gets 10, 15 minutes, Shibway had 30 points and 13 rebounds. I mean, he tore it up down there and he was hitting jump shots too. And Vanderbilt doesn't have that versatile five guy athletic nowadays in college basketball to guard that type of offense. So I really do think they're missing Leah Robbins, but I also think, well, they're missing a guy like Lee Dort. I mean, who's just athletic and a big body down there, a guy that can move. I'm not saying QMB can't. I'm just saying, hey, th maybe there's some more consistency there. So that's more of what I'm getting at. Sheboy and Dort is actually a very good comparison that, of that'd Dort, be a what great it could matchup. potentially be. So yeah. that that's what you have to look forward to. And this is what I think I tweeted is commonly referred to as a talent gap. And this is just one team. Kentucky has a bunch of four and five stars. And Vanderbilt has a bunch of three stars and they have a couple four stars. And that was prevalent. It doesn't matter. Basketball is probably outside of flow of the game. It's just if you have the dudes, they're just going to make the plays. And if they hit the shots, you can draw up the perfect play. But you said basketball might be the quickest changing momentum. It is. And there's one reason why. It's the only sport that doesn't have stoppage of play after every score. And that's why you can actually, when they say you go on a run in football, you change possessions multiple times, multiple stoppages. Teams can go on a 10-0 run in basketball and literally no stoppage of play in 45 seconds. And the game can turn that quickly. That That's unlike anything else in any and sport. And that's what has been happening with this Vandy team. You know? <clears throat> and I mean, Vandy they... has the tendency to go on scoring droughts. And that is not a good combination. Consistent no. Consistency of in-between games, consistency within the game. It just all comes back to consistency. Mm -hmm. But... We, we keep talking about Vander Stackhouse is trying to run a pro style offense where you don't shoot mid range, which I'm fine with because I think the mid range is a complete waste of a shot unless it's wide open. But it's drive, it's kick, and they because they don't have a post. QMB is not a back to the basket scorer like Chiboy at all. So you have to work with what you have. And he's trying to run an NBA style offense which with a bunch of three star talent. When next year he has four star and five star talent coming in, combine that with now experienced three star talent, and maybe you have Dizoni develop a little bit more, who was a four star as well, then you can start to see some of this action. Now instead of 
the defense just collapsing on Pippen, you kick out to Jermaine Mann in the corner and the defense can do a short closeout on him. You have a kick out to Noah Shelby and now Noah Shelby pump fakes and they have to close out hard. He drives to the basket. Now you kick it out to Jordan Wright, who's now wide open because he's the fourth option Mm -hmm. on the scoring offense is Jordan Wright. He's not second or first like he is every time he's on the court now. There's just no depth of scoring. Teams can focus on Pippen when he's out there, not worry about anyone else. They maybe have to, they don't even care about Trey Thomas. It's kind of funny. Like they don't even, they're just like, he's going to shoot him. He's going to hit him. If he hits the shot, he'll hit it. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like it it really is. They're just like, just don't let him drive. They're basically just, just close out short and don't let him collapse the defense and kick it out. If he hit, if he scores 15 and we just focus on Pippen and he's just going to fire up threes, yeah, he's going to go on a hot streak. But other than that, we're not worried about him just driving in and hitting right. layup after layup after layup. We don't have to shift help over to him. Mm-hmm. That's where I say Trey Thomas, while he does spread out the defense at times, when you're playing a team like Kentucky that knows they can lock down your best player in Pippen by just ignoring your other guards, Trey Thomas is going to hit shots and he hits some difficult ones, but it's not ignoring. And I say that this is taking it to an extreme. They're not just not guarding him, but mm-hmm. there's clearly like she boy's not worried about Trey Thomas. He knows he can help over late right. and he's going right. to be able to affect Trey Thomas's shot as opposed to someone when Jordan Wright's playing well, that is going, if you don't shift your help over, he's going to shoot layups over and over and over and over. And he's going to score 40. Yeah. That doesn't work that way with a three point shooter. Yeah. Is he going to get hot? And could he score 15, 18, 21? Yeah, but he's eventually going to miss some. And as long as you take Pippen out of the game, you're going to beat Vanderbilt. And they didn't really take him out of the game. He hit very difficult shots, but they forced him to work so damn hard for that that the rest of Vanderbilt's team ended up just standing around and watching him. And that's what I feel like it is a lot of the time. It's a one-man show. Everybody's just like, get the ball to Pippen, screen for him, and what's he going to do? And that's just too much to place on him, and that's why he's having these turnover problems. You can see him to be getting a little bit frustrated. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true. You can kind of – and how would you not be? How would you not be frustrated when you scored 32 points and you're down 30? Like that's just a tough – that's that's just a tough place to be in. So Chapman definitely is a stabilizer for the team, and that didn't help. When things went bad, they went to worse, and then you had opposing fans in the student section. So when things went bad, they went even worse. That's where we're – is I think we're in agreement. They probably would have lost this game, and the final score doesn't even look that bad. But that lead would have ballooned out to 14, 16. Maybe Vandy's able to work it down. Maybe they're not. But I don't think that lead balloons out to 30 like it did, and Vanderbilt was fortunately able to get hot, make it look prettier on the scoreboard. But that the momentum of everything surrounding the game had to weigh on these guys once things started going bad. You got you got to believe it did. And well, call me crazy, uh, but with ever with all this being said. This everything is not lost this season. I still think this team can give some fits to some SEC teams. Kentucky is a top three team in the league, and Vanderbilt, they're still going to see Tennessee next week. There are opportunities, and the way this team plays, the way they can turn they, they can turn teams over, and if Scottie Pippen drops another 30-piece, I find it hard to believe they'll lose, they might lose to Tennessee, but these middle-of-the-road type of teams, if Pippen drops a 30-piece, you got to believe a couple more guys can step up and Vanderbilt can win a game. Now, I'm not saying I was surprised that they lost because thir- since, 30, since the 30-piece for Pippen, but at the same time, it's like, hey, th- they can still lose if Pippen has a hell of a game. That, that, like, that's where this team's at, you know? And I think, like, he, if he does everything he can, you still got other, it's still four other guys that, that have to play up to their potential. So that's where I'm at with this team, Will, as, as negative as we, as we have been. It's the third game of the SEC season. There's still plenty of time. Um, but, again, the breaks are 
the brakes are coming. You know, I mean, it's the car is slowing down a little bit. You know, got got to pick it back up. And Georgia on the road on Saturday is a, a pretty good opportunity, actually. Yeah, you. That's what I was about to say. It's now that we've had the doomsday get out of our system and everything's been so awful. Remember, they're one and two. I think you would feel a lot differently about this had Vanderbilt lost to Arkansas and lost to Kentucky yeah. and beaten South Carolina. Yeah. It's just it always adds double and makes it feel worse. I think we all looked at this SEC schedule and said they're probably going to lose to Kentucky both yeah. times they played. They haven't beaten them in six years. We yeah. knew that going into this game. They were an eight and a half, nine point underdog on the Vegas odds at home in Memorial. So if they were at a neutral site, they would have probably been about a 12 point underdog. That's about yeah. where they were at. We thought they were going to lose. Yeah. That was just compounded by the fact we thought they were going to beat South Carolina. So we went into that game. You're leaving that game with this bad feeling, bad taste in your mouth, and we didn't have a podcast in between. But now, instead of just it being like, okay, we lost to the team we thought we were going to lose to, and we lost one that was a bad loss, and then we had a good win. Instead, it wasn't sandwiched in the middle that way. So this Georgia game on Saturday is very winnable. Georgia's the worst team in the conference, I think, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, This is a must. This is a must have to win game. Like, I know that's dumb in a team that probably doesn't have NCAA tournament hopes, probably doesn't have bright hopes as far as an overall win-loss record in the SEC, just being realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to have at least a season that you can look back on and take pride in improving – from last year to this season, you have to beat Georgia both times because you've already lost to South Carolina, who was another one on your schedule that was supposed to be a game that you should come out and win. So this Georgia game, I want to overemphasize it. It's at Georgia. This is a must win for Stackhouse. I think it's probably the first time we've ever used the words must win with Jerry Stackhouse's name in a season because I don't have expectations of massive improvement. He's not on the hot seat. Right, right. But if he comes out and, you know, has three wins in the conference, I'm going to be a little disappointed and I'm going to be looking with a little bit quicker expectations when this recruiting class comes in next Mm -hmm. season than if he's able to pull out seven, eight wins this year. Yeah, and this season is important. Like we, you know, I know, I think we've glossed, maybe, I don't think we've glossed over it, but with with the way that the momentum of a season plays in a recruiting class, this is important. You know, it's like the year building up before Darius Garland. They were solid. You know, they they, they weren't an NCAA tournament team. I don't think before the year before Darius Garland. Um, I, I could be wrong, but uh, again, they were not some sort of superstar type of team. They they were kind of relying on that recruiting class to come in, and that was that that was kind of the the eagle looking over and saying, hey. We've got this recruiting class. We'll be fine. And boy, without that recruiting class, Stackhouse would be in a lot different position right now. And uh, but also, will without that Arkansas win, boy, that's it, it. Just seems even bigger. I mean, we knew how big it was. I think, but I think it's looking a little bit bigger now, especially after a South Carolina loss at home and now a Kentucky loss at home, and now you got a chance to kind of bounce back. So, will again, not all is not lost. All is not lost, but. At the same time, the car is slowing down, and you need this win. You got this. this is this why this is why basketball is a little a little easier on the on the old on the old ball coach than it is football. Is this is obviously not a comparison of South Carolina to ETSU? Okay, no. so do not do no. not take that at all at all. <laughs> Put that out there. But they lose to South Carolina. Okay, and if Vanderbilt in Vanderbilt came out in football and they lost to ETSU. And then they went out and they beat Colorado State. So that didn't, but that didn't balance out in the minds of Vanderbilt fans. No. But if they had like lost to Colorado State, it would have been ready to burn down 
Vanderbilt Stadium. Burn the bridges. But but like I said, you have to take it week by week. Is Colorado State going into the season, you're like, that's a game we can win, but it's not like a guaranteed, like, what the hell are we doing if we lose that, you know, and they went out and won. Fortunately, Colorado State turned out to not be that good, but we would have judged it based on what had happened in the previous week. And I think that's where we are. Bad performance against Kentucky. But I think if the Kentucky game directly followed the Arkansas game, we'd be being a little less harsh. And I think if this thing with the administration and the students happened, didn't happen, we'd be being a little less harsh. So I do want to put it in there that it not all is lost. Not not everything is awful and terrible. They're one and two. They have a winning record. They have a winnable game against Georgia. Not everything is terrible, but it's not great. (laughs) No, no. And well, we had some snow uh, a couple days ago and uh, the snowball. I know there's probably not much snow left in Nashville right now, but uh, the snowball is getting a little bit bigger for Vanderbilt men's basketball. And uh, I think you want to kind of take a hit to that snowball, take a little bit of it off uh, on the road against Georgia on Saturday. Uh, But, well, I'm with you. This is a must-win game. And Georgia, again, if you want to play in any other atmosphere in the SEC, you probably want to play at Georgia. It's not necessarily a murderer's row, and there's not too many – uh, there's not too many rowdy, rowdy fans there. So I think that would be a massive win. Uh, and we, you know, we talk about massive, but I mean, momentum changer, like this is a, this is a get you back on the right track type of game. So once again, Vanderbilt loses uh, to Kentucky at home, 78, 66 uh, after the loss to South Carolina. Uh, but will you still got Daniel Martin, at least Daniel Martin's still a Commodore. Uh, that, that's, yeah, uh, when we talk about these wins, Billy, you, we have to, we have to really not, this is a bad thing to say. We have to not sound like Tennessee fans. I know Vanderbilt basketball has had more recent success than Tennessee football, but you got to remember how bad they've been. I mean, that's that's where <laughs> I do. I, we just keep yeah, coming back I to mean, this. I'm like, we sound at times our fan base in basketball sounds like Tennessee football. Now, it's not to yeah. the extreme because it was only six years ago that they were good. Mm-hmm. But you look at it and you're like, what have you done for me lately? In one cycle of recruits in four years, what has happened? You've sucked and they've been awful. So like you had no wins in conference. So you're not going to build back up to where they were winning an SEC championship in just 2012. That was not that long ago. This year is 10 years from when that happened. That was not ages ago, but we're not there right now. So a win against Georgia at Georgia coming off a bad loss to Kentucky and a bad loss for kind of a different reason to South Carolina, that is a big win. You're mm-hmm. not you're not the team anymore that's a top five preseason expected team that's expected to roll through these bottom teams. You have to start somewhere. You start by beating the teams you should beat with this team and this year. And next year, you start beating some of the teams that people don't expect you to beat. And I think that's where they are. And right now, they haven't beaten the team that they yeah. were supposed to beat. Yeah. And they but they went above expectations yeah. and actually beat Arkansas, which I didn't yeah. see yeah. necessarily happening if I had to put a put my life savings on. Yeah. And well, we talk about expectations all the time. Kevin Stallings never made the sweet 16. I mean, I think Vandy fans a lot of time get lost. Now they made the sweet 16, of course, a little bit earlier there. Um, But at the same time, Will, it's like, we have expectations for this team, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, Stackhouse was, this is the hand he was dealt. And we cannot put the past expectations of what we think this program can be on Jerry Stackhouse in this program. Now they did make I, the I think, Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I was they wrong did. about that. I was wrong. Yeah, about they that. made but, it one year. He did not have much. They made it two years. He did not have much tournament success, but he did. Yeah, I do want to. I was like, I know my bad, he made my bad. it. Yeah, he. So he did make so, it twice. He made it, and I want to give it credit now that you put shame <laughs> on his name. Is uh, he made it in two thousand three, two thousand four, and he also made Early. it in 07. I think it's more uh, of Jeff like Jeff Green. Jeff yeah, Green. Uh, Jeff Green walked. 
But uh, I think Will more of like the last decade. I don't I, like since 2010. It's not like Vanderbilt has been some kind of elite. No. Like they, they've been a they really peaked good program. in 2011, 2012. That yeah, was the last that's... time that they were a really good program. Yeah, I would yeah, say. yeah. So we talk about expectations. I think there are sometimes now they, they've been so bad in the past four or five years. Those expectations have gone way down. At the same time, like hey, let's you know let's look at this realistically and say, Hey, you know, Stackhouse should not be making the NCAA tournament this season. Now, next season we can, that can change. That should change. Um, but well, it's, uh, it's getting a little bit tougher. Hopefully, you know, we, we, we want to see a win on set on Saturday at Georgia. So everything can change. But then again, if we see a Tennessee loss, we might be going back to the same old, same old. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but Vanderbilt and Georgia on Saturday, and uh, they'll play Tennessee next Tuesday night. We'll see how much orange is in uh, Memorial Gym. Students will not be coming back, but at the same time, Vanderbilt has a chance to get this turn in the right direction. You've been listening to episode 136 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors.